Revelations 1 9. Let's go ahead and close this down. I just, to, to keep you aware of this, you know, I, I have to be honest with you, I'm struggling a tad bit, struggling in regards to my own personal belief system. Not when they come to Jesus. Don't even think about that. Y'all look like, oh no, this is the end. No, it's not. This is the beginning. No, just, I told you that when we got to the end of time, that the generation that would begin to experience it, it would be very surreal. You know, and I told my wife, I said, I'm battling with things that are right in front of our face, but my, my, maybe my unrenewed mind doesn't want to accept it. Because we lived in peace and safety so long in this nation. That that just can't happen here. It just can't. But, but then the Holy Spirit said, it's funny how the Holy Spirit will answer you indirectly. He said, go read, the, told me last night, go read the book of Revelation. And I was reading the book of Revelation. I was like, oh, y'all, how many know that God is equal opportunity? Just because he used the United States to promote the gospel does not mean that he has favored her above any other country. Because in God's sight, there, are, there is no such thing as first world, second world, or third world country. It's just countries. And it's just people. And you look at some of the dastardly and evil and disastrous things that have happened to other countries. And it is only because of the way we've had government set up and the military forces as well as uh, the fact that this nation promotes the gospel. There was a shield. The Lord made it clear that 9-11 was the first sign that the United States shield was down in the spirit. He made that very, very clear. There's a book called The Harbinger, and you can read about that. Because if the Lord can't get you with the word, he can't get you with the spirit, then what did it do? All right, well, so let a few praying clash into some buildings, and maybe we'll get your attention that way. And it's deep, because when that happened, churches were full, packed. <laughs> Satan even went to church that particular weekend. There's a, oh, church, I remember that. Churches were packed. So, you know, I'm just, I'm not going to get over into that. I just want to bring out a couple of more to show you. There are seven churches 2,000 years ago. John was at a river praying. And Jesus appeared to him. And there were seven churches during that period of time when things weren't as bad. And I'm only going to read to you what was brought out about the first three. And when you read them, Jesus has something negative to say about all of the churches except for one. He has something negative to say about the evil or about Satan. Okay, so we'll finish up with this. Revelation 1, 9 through 20. I, John, am your brother and partner in suffering and in God's kingdom and in the patient endurance to which Jesus calls us. I was exiled to the island of Patmos for preaching the word of God and for my testimony about Jesus. It was the Lord's day and I was worshiping in the spirit. Suddenly, I heard behind me a loud voice like a trumpet blast. And it said, write in a book everything you see. And send it to the seven churches in the cities of Ephesus, Smyrna, Pergamum, Thyatira, Sardis, Philadelphia, and Laodicea. When I turned to see who was speaking to me, I saw seven gold lampstands. And standing in the middle of the lampstands was someone like the Son of Man. He was wearing a long robe with a gold sash across his chest. His head and his hair were white like wool, as white as snow. And his eyes were like flames of fire. His feet were like polished bronze refined in a furnace. And his voice thundered like mighty ocean waves. 
He held seven stars in his hand, and a sharp two-edged sword came from his mouth, and his face was like the sun in all of its brilliance. How I many you know he's having a difficult time explaining what he sees? When I saw him, here we go again, I fell at his feet as if I were dead. But he laid his right hand on me and said, don't be afraid, I'm the first and the last. I have a problem with this because you keep seeing these encounters in scripture where Jesus or an angel would show up. And just when they showed up, it would put the person in such shock, they would instantly go into a coma and just fall down like that. That's crazy. Now, if one appears into this realm, what you going to do when you stand before the throne? With an excuse. You know what I'm saying? I mean, the Bible says you can't even number the angels on the throne that attend to God's wardrobe. And it says his wardrobe is made out of different colors of light. What does that even look like? I mean, we were in worship and I was looking at the light in the ceiling. And the Bible says that the light in heaven is a light that no natural man can approach. It says we will live in the light that no man can approach unto. And it says that light is seven times brighter than the noonday sun. Now, that light in the ceiling is not seven times brighter than the noonday sun. But look at that light and imagine that that's the atmosphere that you live in. That's bright. Y'all know what I'm saying? So it's a completely different culture, a different dimension, a different atmosphere, a different world, everything. Okay, but anyway. He said, I am the living one. I died, but look, I'm alive forevermore, and I hold the keys of death and the grave. Write down what you have seen. That's easier said than done. Both the things that are now happening and the things that will happen. This is the meaning of the mystery of the seven stars you saw on my right hand. When you read the Bible, it's always giving you the answers to dream interpretation because everything is symbolic. It says... The seven stars are the angels of the seven churches. And the seven lampstands are the seven churches. So that lets you know right there that God may use a star to represent an angel or a minister, or he will use a lampstand in a dream to represent a church. Y'all got that? Now, let's look at just what he said to all three that we've done in five minutes. Revelation 2, 1 through 2. He said, Jesus said, write this letter to the angel of the church in Ephesus. And I only pulled out part of the message. You should read it because all seven churches, all the letters that he wrote, you will find yourself located in one of those seven letters. It's a, it's a, I do it twice a year to kind of brush up to see where I am. I didn't quite like where I was when I read last night, by the way. <laughs> um, and so you can, you can locate yourself. Within those letters, you will find yourself someplace at any t- point in life. Write this letter to the angel of the church in Ephesus. This is the message from the one who holds the seven stars in his right hand. The one who walks among the seven golden lampstands. So that lets you know. The Bible says where two or three are gathered together in my name, they are what? I am. That is not figurative. He's here now. I know all the things you do. Mm, That's a killer. I'm going to read that again. I know all the things you do. That make you put your... Every time I read that, I'm like, oh man, I'm glad I'm living holy because good grief. He said, and I have seen your hard work and your patient endurance, which he knows everything about you. I know you don't tolerate evil people. 
You have examined the claims of those who say they are apostles but are not, and you have discovered that they are liars. So that's one negative thing that God brought out, Jesus brought out to that church. He said, there's a lot of false apostles. It's like that group 400 in the back. They all talking. He said, oh, yeah. He said, there's a lot of false apostles. And he said, I know that you know what I know. It's crazy. Okay. So that was a light one. Then he, and that's just part of it. You got to read the whole thing because each one, for most of them, he would give you, give you an encouragement, a rebuke, and then he would warn you. And he said, now, if you do the right thing, this is what you're going to get at the end. So all seven letters also come with seven rewards based on the other side. Revelations 2, 8. Write this letter to the angel of the church in Smyrna. This is the message from the one who is the first and the last who was dead but is now alive. I know about your suffering and your poverty, but you're actually rich. Because he's looking at it from an eternal point of view. I know the blasphemy of those opposing you. They say they are Jews, but they are not because their synagogue belongs to Satan. So, there's another cue where Jesus is telling them that there will be some places that are churches, but they're actually owned by Lucifer. That is crazy. And there are ways for you to tell that because some of them you can't tell at first because some of the, notice he didn't say that the people were. He said, the, he said that that house of God actually belongs to Satan, even though there are Christians there. And who determines whether or not Satan owns it is the leader. That's a, I mean, I'm glad that this ain't no synagogue of Satan. <laughs> See, you know what the wonderful thing about the leadership style here? I couldn't act a fool. I couldn't. I get up here, the Holy Spirit told me to divorce my, as soon as I say that, y'all would just pull out bats and start beating me. <laughs> CNN exclusive preacher was beat by his entire congregation. They killed him, then raised him from the dead and demanded that he repent. He wouldn't, so they kicked him out the church and made the wife the pastor. I mean, you know, that's what them headlines would say. Y'all would kill me, boy, you lost your dog on mine. But see, when you, when you, you keep people low, the pastor can do something stupid like that. Say it's the Lord and the people roll with it and then kick the wife out of the church. That's beyond crazy. But see, again, it, it only seems crazy because you thought it was a church. It was a synagogue of Satan. <laughs> they be cracking me up. The Lord told me that the secretary is my soulmate. No, she's not. She's your death mate. That's what she is. <laughs> Sit up. Oh, man. Y'all, how many know it's, it's just us? <sighs> Revelations 2. 12 through 13. Write this letter to the angel of the church in Pergamum. This is the message from the one with the sharp two-edged sword that you saw. I know that you live in the city where Satan has his throne. <laughs> Yet you have remained loyal to me. You refuse to deny me even when Antipas, my faithful witness, was martyred among you there in Satan's city. So, so right amongst us, there are what we call houses of God that are actually owned by Satan. And in the atmosphere right above us, there are an innumerable amount of what you call thrones. So Satan's master throne was over there 
and then over in Israel and that okay and so remember we told you that when we read Daniel chapter 10 that the angel told Daniel he said Michael is the chief prince of Israel okay in other words that's the angel that is over Israel okay but Satan has demined a has has uh, designated a master chief spirit over Israel to battle Michael and so if the Lord ever opens up your eyes, some people he does, some people they don't, because some people they can't handle that. It's, it's, it'll mess your mind up to see that just one. If he shows it to you for one second, it'll mess you up for the rest of your life. And so there are thrones. And so when you see, and so when that throne is established over a city, over a region, over a neighborhood, even over a church, even over a business, there is a, um, like for example, there is a throne that is over Facebook. There's one over Amazon. Okay. And so it's, it's for the establishment. And so that's the reason why Amazon and Facebook will always fight against conservative values when you put it up on Facebook. They don't even know they're being used by an invisible being that has established a throne. It is a literal throne that is in the heavenly. It's like a government that's in the sky where all of their business. <laughs> I know this is, I know. But see, you can call me crazy if you want to, but when you read the Bible carefully, you're like, oh, what does that mean? It's one of those thrones. Hey. So I'm just letting you know that a true church, how many are part of a true church? That's what you got to fight against. You got to fight against the dark side, and you got against you got to fight against those that say that they are a part of your side, but they're not. And then you also got to fight what's against in the heavenlies. And so yet the Bible says, fight the good fight of faith. It's a good fight because no matter what comes against you, you can win. So now you understand this scripture, 2 Corinthians 10, 3 through 5. For though we walk and live in the flesh, we are not carrying out our warfare according to the flesh and using mere human weapons. For the weapons of our warfare are not physical weapons of flesh and blood, but they are mighty before God for the overthrow and destruction of strongholds. That's one. Then secondly, and as much as we refute arguments and theories and reasonings and every proud and arrogant thing that sets itself up against the true knowledge of God, and we lead every thought and purpose away captive into the obedience of Christ. So it's talking about dealing with the invisible thrones as well and bringing them down through prayer as well as dealing with the ones that's in your mind. Because Daniel made it clear in Daniel chapter 10 that you are fighting invisible forces. But then that scripture also also said, too, that you're also fighting forces that are trying to influence your feelings, your thoughts, your minds and your decisions. And if you're not in the word, you're just going to do what you feel. And if you do what you feel, 99 percent of the time you'll be dead wrong. Revelation 5, 1 through 5. I'll just threw these in here and then we're done. I don't know why I threw these in here. I'm going to encourage you to read the book of Revelation as we close. I'm going to just encourage you to, a lot of people don't, a lot of people don't like the book of Revelation because they say it's scary. It's not scary to me. It's exciting to me. I'm, I'm that's my address. You know what I'm saying? That's not me. Now, I will say this. I think there's been a bit of assumption, maybe pride and arrogance on regard, in regards to people who have taught the book of Revelation. I think they've, they've added a lot of assumption. They assume that they can think for the Lord. And they assume that they know his symbolism and they assume what they meant 2,000 years ago when it was written. And I'm going to give you a couple examples of this. Um, I'm going to just read it. Revelation 5. 
1 through 5. Amplified. And I saw lying, because this is where we're going. The problem is, is that I'm reading it because I don't, you have, there are two arguments. There are three. One is that the church is snatched off the planet and then all of these things start. I don't quite agree with that. Okay. Second one is, is that you have the seven seals and then you have the seven trumpets and then you have the seven bowls of wrath. That's another argument. Third argument is that you have the seven seals that are going on while at the same time you have the seven trumpets. While at the same time you have the seven bowls of wrath. And it doesn't seem that way because they had it put in scripture in order to kind of show you what each one would do, but that they're actually on top of each other. You say, well, what do you say? I don't know. Let me know if you get the revelation. <laughs> I just being honest with you. I have, I keep going back and forth. I'm leaning maybe towards the third one, which they're on top of one another, but just because you lean in, that don't mean anything, right? Okay. So, Let's just read these last two and let's get up out of here. It's 827. I wanted to get you up by 830. I saw, and I saw lying on the open hand of him who was seated on the throne. Uh, let, me, let me backtrack. When you go back and read this, uh, first John is minding his own business. He's on Patmos. Then the Lord appears to him, says, I want you to write down everything you see and saw. The book of Revelation is one vision. It's not a vision. Okay, you can take a nap. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? And then get up. Let's pick this up like a television series. This is one long vision. Oh, you're supposed to say that his vision was 18 hours sitting next to a tree. Okay? It's one long vision. And so it starts by him saying, now, before you get into the rest of the vision, I need you to write a, um, because in it, he said, write down the things that are about now and the future. So the seven churches, that's what was going on right then. But you can still find yourself in it. Everything else had to do with the future. Even though when you read the book of Revelation, like a movie, it bounces all over the place. You'll be in the present moment, then it'll shift to the future, and then it'll shift all the way back to the past. Okay? So you got to be careful. you got to read it. How many know the, the first verse says, blessed are those that read this book. It's the only book of the Bible that says when you read it, there's a special blessing on it. Okay? And I saw lying on the open hand of him who was seated on the throne, a scroll, a book written within and on the back, closed and sealed with seven seals. And I saw a strong angel announcing in a loud voice, who is worthy to open the scroll and who is entitled and deserves and is morally fit to break its seals. And no one in heaven or on earth or in hell was able to open the scroll or to take a single look at its contents. And I wept audibly and bitterly because no one was found fit to open the scroll or to inspect it. And then one of the elders of the heavenly Sanhedrin said to me, stop weeping. See, the lion of the tribe of Judah, the root of David, has won, overcome, and conquered. He is allowed to open the scroll and break its seven seals. And then you read Revelation 6, 1 through 8. Now, you can read the rest of this later. I'm just kind of opening it up for you because I don't know exactly where we are. I just want you to pay attention and be careful because people, we, read, we all read the Bible too fast. And I'm going to just give you these eight verses and then we're out. It says, then I saw as the lamb broke open one of the seven seals, the first one. 
And as if in a voice of thunder, I heard one of the four living creatures call out, come. And I looked and I saw there a white horse whose rider carried a bow, not an arrow, just a bow. Now, now mind you, these things are released in the invisible realm, but then they affect the physical realm. And right now we are in the time frame where everything you see happening will be enforced and created by the invisible realm. He carried a bow and a crown was given him and he rode forth conquering and to conquer. And I have no idea what that means. I have no idea what it did because it didn't say if the man was good. It didn't say if the man was bad. I'm just I'm just doing these eight just to show you. Don't just assume it. You got to read these things and pay attention. It didn't say if the man was bad. Didn't say if the man was good. And it said he had a bow, but he didn't have an arrow. And it just said he went about conquering and to conquer. Who is this man? And then it moves straight over to verse 2. Verse 3. And when he broke the second seal, I heard the second living creature call out, come and see. And another horse came out, flaming red. And its rider was empowered to take peace from the earth. So that men killed one another. And he was given a huge sword. So you got all of this killing in the planet coming from one dude. This, this one guy's influence is behind everybody killing each other. And that's because he also has teams underneath him. Hey. And when he opened the or broke the third seal, I heard the living creature call out, come and look. And I saw and behold a black horse. And in his hand, the rider had a pair of scales, a balance. This has to do with inflation. And I heard what seemed to be a voice from the midst of the four living creatures saying, a quarter of wheat for a denarius, a whole day's wages, and three quarters of barley for a denarius, but do not harm the oil and the wine. That's us. <laughs> so I don't know exactly what this means, but you got to look at it carefully. Okay, what do you mean don't harm the oil and the wine? Okay. And so whatever this is, it's going to affect the planet, but the people of God will be kind of kept from this. Verse 7, and I'll stop here. When the lamb broke open the fourth seal, I heard the fourth living creature call out, come. So I looked and behold, a ashy pale horse, black and blue as if made so by bruising. And its rider's name was Death. And hell, the realm of the dead, followed him closely. What does that even look like? You got a horse and the name of the rider is Death. And he got an assistant named Tonto and he's hell. And they were given authority and power over a fourth part of the earth to kill with the sword and with famine and with plague, pestilence and disease and with wild beasts of the earth. Now, this is how you this is how most people have read verse eight. And they were given authority and power to kill a fourth of the people in the planet. That's not what it said. Look at it carefully. It did not say they killed a fourth of the men. This is how you can tell that you might be in this time now. How many know if one out of every four men start dropping dead from those four scenarios, we got an issue on hand. But it didn't say that. It says that that crew was given one fourth of the planet to do these things with. Not a fourth of the men. It says one fourth. Now, the one fourth of the planet is not concentrated in one area. 
the, the calculations in that realm is just insane. So by the time you add their control over the entire world, it would equal up to one-fourth of the planet is where they're bringing this mayhem and this death in these four different categories. You understand what I'm saying? So I'm encouraging you in this day and hour to read the book of Revelation, but you really have to read it very carefully because if you read it too fast, what you read was, oh, through these four avenues, one out of every four men will die. But that's not what it said. Even when it comes to the Antichrist, nowhere in the Bible does it say the Antichrist has taken over the whole world. It does not say that. Go back and read it. It says the Antichrist has given, I think, authority over a fourth part of the world. But see, people that don't read the Bible, they, they, or they read it too fast, Antichrist is coming. He's going to kill everyone. You know what? The Bible says, and this is my, the Bible says there's a spot in Revelation where the, where the United States is there. And it says that devil is doing what he's doing and all of the type of stuff with the Antichrist spirit and all that type of stuff. And it says that, y'all know about this last war that's going where all of these groups attack Israel. And there's a scripture that says, the young lion asked a question. Have you come upon Israel to take a prey? Have you come to destroy them? That's the United States. That's why I said young lion. You remember why I said young lion? Because the United States came out of Britain. And Britain is the old lion. Britain, the symbol of Britain is the lion. And we're the young lion. That's why the United States and Britain is so in cahoots like that. So you see those little clues in the scriptures. You have to ask the Holy Spirit every time you read it. You've got to read it. Let me tell you something. If there's one book, the book of Revelation has worked in like Obadiah. You know, you're like, what was Obadiah talking about? And it's good. But when you read that book, you're not going to get the revelation of Revelation the first time. You're going to have to pray, take it slowly, and then there are some things that can only be revealed as you're in that time. So I didn't, I mean, you know, of course, it would take days, weeks to go through the entire book of Revelation. I did it early on. I might do it again. The Holy Spirit tells me to do it. I just wanted to open that up to let you know that's the season that we're in. The problem is I don't know where we are on the timeline. Everyone in their arrogance is trying to say, oh, yes, this is exactly where we are. Yeah, y'all said that in the year 1999 when it was about the year 2000, they were telling you to put water in your bathtub and, and all of that type of stuff. Everybody, every little thing that happens, somebody write another book. Buy this book. I don't need to buy nothing. I just need the book of Revelation. You know what I'm saying? And so, so I don't know. I do know that what I will tell you is, is that I would not believe at all that um, we are behind those seals. I believe we're already fully in it. Okay? And so because it's just I mean, 174,000 people die every 24 hours. 174,000 people die every 24 hours, minimum. Most people don't know that. Ends up being about two to three people a second. 120, 130 people a minute. After 24 hours, 174 to 100. It, it, it segues up higher, but the lowest amount of people that leave this planet is 174,000 people die every 24 hours and usually through these avenues most people are not dying natural causes they're dying because of pestilence sickness disease murder and abortion would also be included in that one fourth okay so it's a very very serious time and god called you to be here during this time to battle on his behalf and to make a mockery of darkness as it grows like i put up on you know, social media, you're dealing with the spirit of the Antichrist, the spirit of Jezebel, and you're dealing with the spirit of Goliath all at the same time. All three have risen from the dead. 
and we about to kill all three just like the other ones did. Okay? So, you know, so stay prayed up. Stay in your word. These things have more of an effect than you would ever know. Stay in it. Stay in it. But you are not going to be able to have a successful Christian life without sometimes feeling crazy. If you don't get used to that, you got to realize that feeling crazy and feeling like I'm losing and I'm feeling like I'm failing and all of those emotions. One day you're going to feel like, oh, man, you can slap Satan and his mama. And the next day is like, Jesus, I need help today. But but those are the feelings that come from war, not going to church. You understand what I'm saying? And we're in a war. And like I said before, most people have been trained for church, not war. That's why most church people, they're really good. They can come to church and they can shout and they can irk and they can jerk and they can speak in tongues and all that type of stuff until they go to the parking lot. And they go home and I need you to pray for me. No, you don't. You need to pray for yourself. You got a tongue. People are crying me. My auntie died. I need prayer. No, you, you. I mean, it's like being in a war and the war starts. Hey, man, I need you to shoot for me. No, you shoot your own gun. People be cracking me up like I'm just sitting around. Lord, please have somebody call me so I can pray for them. No, I'm trying to run. I'm trying to look. I got to deal with me. That's bad enough. I got to deal with me and my wife. I got to deal with me and the kids. I got to deal with me and the kids and our two dogs. <laughs> then my kids in school. Then all of the stuff with the churches. And so there are a lot of things that we are putting in protocol. Let me say this. And I was going to announce it this weekend. Y'all go ahead and stand so I can feel like we're getting ready to get up out of here. <laughs> Timing, because I got to re- keep repeating myself. Okay, this only take a minute or so. It's time. I was listening. I was listening to a man today. Even, even I just had to be at work. He was, this is a great man of God in Nigeria, and he he even said he said he said I didn't even think about doing evangelism until I had a hundred churches in place. He said timing. He said we assume the Lord wants us to do everything like that. He said where's that in the Bible? Okay. And one of the things with the small groups is I had, not you all, but I had the past in my mind. And so, so, I, we're, so we're starting the small groups with married couples only that are strong in the Lord. There's a reason for that. Because the small groups are, we're going to have little side groups and stuff that y'all want. It's not that important. And the reason, one of the things the Holy Spirit shared with me, he said, when you opened up the church, you couldn't open up a church just for business people or open up a church just for married couples or open up a church just for single women with children or open up a church just for people that they love the keto diet and love to work out. He said you had to open it up and he said it had to be a family by which everybody gets the same word and we all grow and minister to one another as a family. He said, when you do training classes, you don't do training classes for the single people or married couples or people who, or, or classes specifically for individuals who came out of the gay lifestyle. He said, it's the same class and it's the same information. And so he said that the small groups is about growth and it's about discipleship. So the growth for the leader is done from, the small groups will be done from a pastoral point of view where the leaders are then responsible for discipling these individuals. And in order for you to grow and mature, you need to disciple everybody, not just married folk. You know what I'm saying? 
So you got to have a small group leader, so leaders, and they got to know how to minister to single people with kids. Because guess what? How many of you know that in this church service, sometimes the Lord has me get off track and say something for single people? And that's, guess what that means? The married folk got to wait. Sometimes I get off track and I say something about married people and the single folk got to wait. There have been times I said things about single women with children. There have been times I said something about business. There have been, how many know, I stay off track. And guess what? That may not necessarily apply to you at that moment, but you still learn for the future because the Bible says to wait on one another, be patient with one another, long suffering and submit to one another. And so it's going to be done more from a point of view of um, that way no one is lost. Because if you try, if, if you, and it has, it has to start. Now, if you don't get picked in the beginning, y'all just wait. We got to get the thing established. Well, like, How did you get picked first? You know, well, maybe there's a reason for that. You know, and maybe you're not ready or maybe a lot of people, they want to jump into something. And, you know, and I can't tell how many times people try to get me to start on the ministry. You need to start this. You need to start this. Not a, they're not even here now. You need to start a special book club. And then you, the main one, won't come to the club. Okay. So. So that's how we're starting that is it's going to be. And so now it's I'm not saying I'm going to necessarily do it this way. But now I have if I have Randall in April. Well, guess what? The next 15 people to join the church. Bam, you got them. And these people now they are assigned to you. Now, I can take my mind off of this and you can see this thing beginning to mature and begin to grow because it's done from a pastoral point of view and not a babysitting point of view where the body is growing together. And, and so now, you know, and guess what? So what if a couple, they got 15 and then they end up being more? I don't know. We'll deal with that when it happens. I told you this lady at Young Joe's Church, she got 3,000 people. This is where maybe some of your future pastors will come out of satellites. I don't know. All I'm knowing is, is that I know that that's how I'm supposed to start it. I know I'm not supposed to start it with just all of the single people who believe in, in rainbow colored hula hoops, they got a club and this over here, they are the vegetarian club and over here, they, the real estate club. No, that's going to cause confusion. And for newer people, they can see it as clickish. Okay. And that's the last thing we need because we are not, a, I've been, a, I had a couple of people that accused me of clickish. I said, you a lot. I mean, Satan made it to heaven if I'm clickish because I don't play that. Okay, but people can perceive certain things because people are fickle. You know, they just fickle like that. You know, I had a lady come to church one time. She mad because my wife and I didn't speak to her. We didn't even see you. My wife asked her, did anybody else at the church speak to you? Yeah. Well, then that should be the issue. It would be different if nobody at the church spoke to you. We got a problem. Okay, so, so those are the things that we're going to start moving over into September. where Because, y'all, there are things coming. And I'm, as a leader, I'm different. I'm sandwiched. There are things coming. And we have, God is trying to get us in a position where our homes are tight. And we can be free to minister while others are scared. And that's going to mean that your home has to be tight. What is that place? Y'all, I went to Best Buy yesterday. I'm about to let you go. I went to Best Buy yesterday and I went to Home Depot. They said, sir, because I went online and they said, sir, both Home Depot and Best Buy, because my wife and I were looking for a deep freezer. And both of them said, there's not a deep freezer, 250 miles. Okay. I went to Best Buy. I said, what is going on? He said, hey, man, let me tell you something. This is what the young guy told me. He said, man, you better prepare for the zombie apocalypse. <laughs> he said, man, I'm getting guns. He said, we got sore. They watch the zombie movies too much, you know, that big show. And, but, y'all, but there is a scene in Revelation. It says there will be a time when men will not be able to die. 
My wife said, that's in there? I was like, mm-hmm. Right in Revelation. If one of those things are blown, and they said, this is the season when men will seek death and will not be able to find it. You will try to kill yourself and it won't work. It's some stuff coming. Y'all understand? And so God is trying, and so the reason why the Holy Spirit will tell us the future, he's like, okay, look, y'all. Y'all are the kids. This is what your father wants you to know. It's stuff coming. Don't worry, I don't forget about the freezers. It's stuff coming. Get your house in order so that you can be at peace and not be so caught up in trying to survive. But you're you already surviving because we warned you it was coming. You set up, and so now you can be free to be on the street and minister to people and discipling people, and that's how the church can still grow in the midst of that. So I talked to the guy at Best Buy. He's like, let me tell you something, dude. He said, not only are there no freezers, he said, they're not making them. I said, he said, it's all over this virus situation. He said, you got to remember, he said, most of our stuff comes from China. I was like, oh. So, there's a place that you can go to. <laughs> I told the guy, I said, get ready for influx. Um, was it Brandsmart? They have two locations, one in Atlanta and another one is in, I think, uh, what you call it, yeah. So they have freezers. Now, the big ones, they don't have a whole lot of, but the small 10-foot cubic ones for you all are looking for a freezer. He said, we do have them. He said, right now, he said, they're only at 20% capacity worldwide when it comes to appliances. He said, and the only reason why we keep getting a few is because we're such a big organization, we always get first dibs on everything. And he said, but I'm telling you, he said, don't wait. So they do have the small ones if you're looking for so typically, so I'm just letting you know, Brandsmart typically is going to carry things. Like I went up in there, my wife and I went up in there today because we didn't wait. And I was like, y'all got everything that Best Buy was out of. He said, yeah, we always get everything first. But he said, it's down to 20% capacity. He said, all the plants, they just stopped. He said, he said, and he said, I don't know what's going on. He said, I don't know what's going on. And then when he said, he said, you might want to get your house in order. I said, why do you think I'm here? <laughs> y'all understand what I'm saying? And so I, I had to have a real, I know I'm holding you, but I had to have a real honest to God conversation with my wife because it was making me feel kind of batty. You know, you know what I'm saying? These guys that pull up to the light and they got stickers all over the van talking about the end of the world. And it's making me feel like that. But I had to say, you know what? Worst case scenario, I'm just prepared for anything. So, so don't panic. Just do what you can. And, and God will make sure that he will do what you can't do. But don't just sit around and be lazy. Start pulling back, y'all. Start setting aside. You should get a safe. Set aside some extra cash and look over into, you know, silver coin. Because you know what? Y'all, let me say something. Because I, I had to come to the conclusion is I can't base this on just next year. I got to base this on the next 20 years. And we don't know what in the world is going to happen. And, and if we wrong about being caught up, because some people believe that, that the rapture we're not going to get caught out at first is that it's going to get halfway through and then we're caught out because in the scripture it says who are these it says these are those that came out the great tribulation so what i'm saying is i'm not an expert on revelation i'm not an expert on when the rapture is going to happen y'all know what i'm saying so because i'm not an expert and i could be wrong about any of them then guess what i'm gonna do i need to make sure that i'm prepared for the worst case scenario and when I grew up, my mom and daddy, they didn't believe in all that Armageddon stuff. They didn't think, well, my dad thought Jesus was coming back next Tuesday all the time because the world was wicked, so wicked. But my mother had two refrigerators, two deep freezers, and a pantry. They could have dropped an atomic bomb on the United States. We would have been good for five years. 
Okay, so you just need to look. Don't panic, but you start saying, okay, if electricity went out, if we couldn't get food. I told my wife, my wife and I live in the area where they got all of these stores down the street. And I told my wife, I said, Lorraine, think about this. Something hits. I said, just the neighborhood we live in could wipe out Sam's Club in one day. It really could. Now you're stuck and you're panicking because now the devil can move in on your emotions because now he has convinced you that the meat supply has run out. I don't know. And I don't like being in a position where I'm not safe. I'm just being honest with you. Okay? So you have to take it seriously. And most people don't listen to warnings. Especially when these things don't happen in the country that you live in. But let me tell you something. The folk that service us when we go to Nigeria, the man called me crying. He said, sir, can you do anything? My family, we haven't eaten for three days. Because they shut Nigeria down. Shut it down. Wouldn't let the people. Wouldn't let the people come out. Wouldn't let anything open. He sent up there crying. He said, man, I can deal with anything. He said, I can deal with anything. He said, what I can't deal with is, he said, looking at my three kids crying because they're hungry. I went right to the bank and wired him as much money as I could. Hey. So, I'm just saying, it's the greatest of time if you stay sober and alert. And I close again. My wife said, "Don't for-, she showed me to tell you, don't forget about the five wise versions. And the five foolish. Because all of them were virgins. They were all with God. They were all looking for the coming of the Lord. But then a natural half of them didn't prepare. And when something went down, they had to scurry at the last moment. And But the other ones, they were at peace. And and, and the other ones said, can we get some of y'all food? Uh, nah, nah. Mm-mm. No, what did they say? If we give you some of our oil, it's going to mess us up. This ain't the time. This ain't the time for giving you receive and, and blessing the poor. It's a time for that. And it's a time where, the Bible, like the Bible says about a man, it says a man should take care of his household first, then move out. Okay. So I'm getting my house in order first. And then I'm going to branch out. You understand what I'm saying? So, because God needs his children free to warfare, not worry fair. What are we going to eat? Oh, no, you're sitting home crying. You can't even pray because you're so hungry. Uh, uh, what are we going to do? Uh, I don't know. Uh. So, y'all ready? It's going to be fun and exciting times. This is supposed to be the best time for the church. The best time. The best time. Not the worst time. The best. God saves the best wine for last. Let's go ahead and lift our hands. Thank you, O Lord God. Blessed be your holy name. Thank you, O Lord God, for preparing us for this moment and this time of victory, not failure, victory, victory. The early and the latter reign together. Thank you, O Lord God, for giving us wisdom and insight. And I pray for every person here tonight, as well as those that will listen by the media page. I pray, oh Lord God, for you to give them favor. Favor like never before. Thank you, oh Lord God. Bring in extra resources and finances so that people can establish themselves. Let every person, oh Lord God, be covered. Let those who have more set aside more for those who do not have enough. And just like in the book of Acts where it says none lacked, I declare over this household, oh Father God, that none will lack in the mighty name of Jesus. 
Thank you, O Lord God, that for those that are in business, those businesses will begin to explode even more to bring in resources for the last time and for the last day. Thank you, O Lord God, for giving us great wisdom, for leading us and guiding us, because you said in Isaiah 48, 17, that you are the one who teaches us to profit and you lead us and guide us in the way that you would have us to go. I thank you, O Lord God, for doing these things. Thank you for keeping us on the cutting edge of the future, letting us know what is coming so that we can be prepared and unafraid and meet it with boldness and confidence. Thank you, O Father God, for doing these things. We bless and honor you for it now. In Jesus' mighty name we have prayed. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Thank you, O Lord God.